Hello, and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Grunwald, a real estate agent, mother of two, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband, Jed. I hope you will join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley with Hunter Row Real Estate. I hope you're doing well. This is my friend Courtney Johnson and she's joining us today because she is a master gardener and I am not. So I'm hoping to learn a lot today from her um, as she shares with us what that looks like to garden as a busy mom, as busy individuals. Just seems like something that's probably got lost a little bit in our culture that we don't see as much. Courtney, my first question is, what does it mean to be a master gardener? Uh, well, it sounds a whole lot fancier uh, than it actually is. But uh, the master gardener course is something that's offered through your local cooperative extension which if you're thinking about starting a garden or you already do garden, but you're running into issues wherever you live, extension offices are part of uh, the government and they are usually run through state universities. So they're all over the country and they're a valuable free resource for anybody. Uh, if you have a, a tree that's dying in your yard, you can call your cooperative extension and they'll come out and take a look at it. Uh, one of the biggest services that Master Gardeners and the Cooperative Extension offers is soil testing. Um, it's something I encourage all my gardener friends, uh, new or experienced to do, and it's free. So here in North Carolina, you get a little box from your extension office, you fill it with your soil and it sends it off to NC State where they'll test it for you and they'll tell you the levels of nitrogen and potassium and phosphorus in your soil so you know what you need to add to it to make it a growable medium. Um, that's good for you. So that's awesome. what being a master gardener is all about. It's, anybody can do it too. So if you love gardening, I highly recommend checking out the master gardener program. So. That's great. And then I'm just curious, what got you into gardening? Is this something that you've done for a long time? Has a family member done this and you watched? Yeah. How did you jump into it? Well, uh, my grandparents always gardened. And I always loved seeing them have their garden. I would say that we didn't live around them. So when we would come to visit in the summer, I just always thought it was just so fun. Um, and then my dad had a garden when I was in high school. We moved a lot, military, military kids. So we couldn't have a garden until he finally retired. And so when he did that, he had a garden. And I just always enjoyed seeing things grow and being able to eat what I was growing in the yard, it just seemed like such a cool thing. So yeah. And then is your gardening more towards food or more towards plants and flowers or combination? Now it's kind of a combination, but I was kind of snobby about it in the beginning where I didn't want to waste any kind of yard space for ornamentals. Now I do see their value, thankfully, but mainly food growing. Uh, is how I got kind of started into gardening when my husband and I first got married back in, I think, 2005. <laughs> I think about it. Our very first house was a new construction in a brand new little neighborhood that had been farmland. And so we borrowed a tiller from somebody and tilled some rows and planted some seeds and had enough zucchini to share with our entire neighborhood. Awesome. I'm not a gardener, but I think if I were, I would be more interested in food related and especially with little kids, like being able to teach them about, you know, where are these fruits and vegetables are coming from. So yeah, 
that kind of segues me into my first question, which is, is it possible to garden when you have small or big kids? Oh, absolutely. My kids, um, they love being a part of the process. And I actually have to force myself to let them be more of the process because sometimes I can get a little OCD about, well, you're pulling that too hard. You're going to rip the whole blueberry limb off, uh, blueberry you know, plant limb off. So it totally is possible. And they can be the best helpers harvesting or uh, when it comes to planting, especially, especially if you have a kid that loves to dig in the dirt. It's really, it's a calling. So you let them answer that calling, but um, they like to pick out plants. It teaches them where their food comes from, which is so important. I think kids nowadays, and my kids included, like if we didn't intentionally teach them where food comes from, the only place that we get it is the grocery store um, and the farmer's market. So showing them what grows well in our area is key. Why we can't, we live in Eastern North Carolina, so closer to the coast, and it's obviously really warm here. It's it's similar to Raleigh, but we can't grow things like cherries and we don't grow apples super successfully. So it's just teaching them things about where you live and what grows well and why we have to work within the climate um, and the area that we live in. So I think that's so cool. And I think it's just an opportunity to bring your kids along on the journey. Yeah. Right? Fall into your trap too, of just like the OCDness of wanting it to be like just letting them, you know, mess it up a little bit and create a little more for you. But, Mm -hmm. and so if somebody was listening today that was thinking, gosh, I'd love to get started, but I have no idea how to get started. What would you suggest? Yes. So my first suggestion is not to bite off more than you can chew. Sometimes we want to just plant it all that first year or try everything. And I would discourage that. I would say start small and you can do that a couple of ways. You can just get a couple containers. This can be like simple pots from, you know, your hardware store that are filled with some good quality soil, especially if you don't even have a yard, if you're working with like a patio um, or a balcony that can be so great. Um, Or you can go the raised garden route. If you know you want to garden a few more things and the container is just not big enough for you, you can still start pretty small with with a raised bed. And the great thing about containers or raised beds is that the maintenance on them is so much lower. There's hardly any weeding. You can really control the watering. You can, you can set up um, a watering system in them actually so that it's pretty hands-off. You can even put a timer on it <laughs> to really make it easy. And I mean, you can go to extremes. You can even have raised bed gardens made to match your home and yard so that they're part of the landscape. Um, I know I'm part of a group of gardeners that um, work alongside the Rooted Garden, which if you don't follow them on Instagram, totally should. If you want some garden inspiration, um, the Rooted Garden is a company out of Houston that designs and installs raised bed gardens. It's a larger company now that incorporates a lot of us do that. My husband and I have done it for the last three years, building and installing them in people's yards. We're kind of slowing down now because it's just the two of us, you know, doing all that work. So, but yeah, the Rooted Garden is a great resource for inspiration. And if you want to get started and you really need step-by-step instructions, then two things that I would recommend for container gardening would be an earth box. And those you can find, I know you can buy them on Amazon and some hardware stores will sell them like your small mom and pop locally owned hardware stores, which I totally recommend anyway. It literally comes with instructions on what to fill it with, which is just regular soil, where to put the fertilizer that comes in it, comes with the box, 
where to plant the plants, depending on what type of plants you're planting. And it has a black cover that goes over it. Your plants kind of stick out to cut down on any weeds and to absorb heat. It's a no brainer. And I have three of them myself because they're so great. And so Earthbox, and they actually have a junior as well. So if your kids are really interested in growing, they can have their own Earthbox and the price is super reasonable. And then there's also a tower garden. Juice Plus has a tower garden that is again, great for beginner gardeners because it tells you how to plant in the, in the pods. It takes up very little space, but you get a lot of harvest from the tower garden. So good use of space. And like, I've seen the tower garden, um, like in Melissa's home mm -hmm. in particular, but the earth box, is that outside or is that inside? It is. Yeah, it is. It is more like a container. So okay. uh, a rectangular shaped planter that has caster wheels. So it can be moved around, which is super helpful. Uh, but it's definitely more for outside growing okay. because it does have soil in it. So a soilless system, it has garden soil in it. Um, and you can use the soil in the box for seven years. You just have to replace the fertilizer in it. I grow tomatoes in mine every summer. And if you don't know anything about gardening, there's 101 ways to fail growing tomatoes. Like it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things that sometimes you have a good year and most of the time you don't. But uh, this year has been an awesome year for tomatoes in our garden. And the ones in the earth box are some of the best. We've got some huge Cherokee purples. We've had a lot of BLTs and tomato sandwiches this summer. So <laughs> I can't say enough about them. That's so cool. And I would just think that that would entice your kids to want to eat those things once they oh, see them growing more so than if you just brought it home from the grocery store. It is so true. And that's actually one of the things that I wanted to talk about is uh, when we first moved into this house, I planted spinach uh, in the fall, which the fall, some people think, well, I didn't plant a garden this spring. It's too late. But the fall garden is really where it's at. Wow. There's so much less wet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you don't have to plan your day around. I have to get in the garden in the morning or late at night in order to survive. And things are easier to grow. There's fewer pests. There's less watering. But we usually plant lots of greens and spinach in the fall. And the kids will just eat it right out of the garden. Oh, cool. If I put a pile of spinach on their plate, they're less likely <laughs> they're less likely to eat it. But when they're outside, they'll just pick it up and just get a let them eat whatever they want <laughs> while they're outside. It's fair game. I love it. That's so yeah. awesome. That I think that's would be my biggest motivator is just getting my kids interested in eating it. So another question would be, are some vegetables easier to grow for beginners? And what would be some good choices for the upcoming fall garden season? Right. Yes. There are some things that are better for beginners, which again is why the fall is the time to start because you can't grow tomatoes in the fall. So <laughs> tomatoes are definitely a spring labor of love. But um, no, the fall is great. Like I mentioned, the weather is so much better. Um, so it's easier to work in the garden. It's easier to have the kids out there, especially especially this fall, as so many people will be virtual learning, um, at least for a while, or if you've chosen to keep your kids home. We actually homeschool our kids, so they're around all the time. Uh, I cannot believe I haven't been interrupted yet. This is gonna be a record. But uh, yeah, so, <laughs> there's fewer pests in the fall. Uh, because they don't like the cold weather either. So we're all just going to go with that. But some good things to plant for the fall would be any of your lettuces. So think romaine, buttercrunch, uh, a good spring mix, arugula, 
gosh, all the lettuces do super well in the fall. And a lot of them, I'm thinking particularly about buttercrunch and romaine. One, you won't have to worry about recalls for E. coli being on your lettuce because mm-hmm. it came out of your own yard or honestly a pot I grew the first year we were married, I grew romaine in just a plastic pot on our front porch. Okay. And it's uh, a lot of the lettuces are cut and come again. So that just means as they grow, especially think about a head of romaine, you can cut the outer leaves off and leave the inner leaves to keep growing. So you just cut what you need for dinner that night. You take them inside and use them and the rest of the plant keeps growing and it makes more leaves. Uh, so that's true for things like buttercrunch and romaine. I would say like your arugula and your spring mix and stuff like that is is less of that type of plant, but they'll still produce a lot, probably more than probably more than you'll eat. Uh, and spinach is the same way. So you can turn your spinach leaves off and then the plants will grow more. So some other things that are really great for the fall would be kale. Kale is a huge grower. Um, we've had kale growing in our garden since October it's still alive and it looks like a tree. I wish I could have had you guys out in the garden, but we're anticipating rain right now. Uh, and our neighbor has two Westies in the yard that like to yap. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to hear that. But yeah, kale can just keep growing. And again, you just trim off what you need. You take it in the house to use it. Um, and it's just super hardy. Uh, collard greens, turnip greens. Um, you may not use a lot of that, but it grows really well in the fall as do a couple of root vegetables like beets and radishes. And radishes are fast, so you can plant them and your kids will be able to see from the point of putting the seed in the ground to harvest, you know, in two months. And I have a couple of radish eaters in this house and I would have never thought, because you know, they got some spice to it. Right. I love them, but I think that they like the process of pulling it out and washing it off and eating it. And so it really makes a difference what your kids will eat if it's grown at home. So we're living proof of that. That definitely makes sense. And then just a thought I had, you know, I see people composting and then I see rain barrels. Does that have anything to do with the gardening process that you would incorporate or suggest? Absolutely. We have a compost bin ourselves. We've done a couple of different things like uh, having a tumbler. We outgrew the tumbler because we had so much that we were putting in there. But composting is a great way to reduce the amount of trash that you're, of course, putting into your local landfills, which is which is enormous. Uh, but also showing your kids again that if we take all these kitchen scraps and the dead leaves in our yard and stuff like that, and we put them all in together, like nature really does the work of breaking it down and making it into something that you can use again. It's it's a miracle. So <laughs> it's a miracle. Um, yeah, it's so great for kids for us to teach them that too. Like, let's not put that banana peel in the garbage can. Let's take it outside and just toss it in the compost pile. And it's nothing fancy. Like our compost pile at this point um, is some leftover bricks. We had taken up an old patio that was brick, and my husband literally made three kind of open front squares, open top and open front squares. And we just kind of move the compost from one square to the next as one, the first one fills up, we move it to the next. So it's nothing extravagant, but it works. It's kind of amazing. And the bonus is that as you compost, we actually have plants growing in our compost right now. (laughs) A pumpkin plant in particular, because sometimes the seeds that you throw in there from whatever it is you've eaten, will actually take root and grow and so it's kind of a mystery what will pop up which is which is really fun Uh, and a rain barrel is the same way 
we have one. Um, we haven't actually even installed it yet. It's in the yard though. Uh, but it's a great way, of course, to use the runoff from your own home to be able to uh, water your plants, which cuts down your water bill, which is huge. So yeah, and again, just teaching your kids. Now where on the street is, one of our other master gardeners last year, she kept goldfish in her rain barrel because she said they ate the mosquito eggs. So like mosquitoes do like to lay their eggs in water. So that is kind of a downside of a rain barrel. She kept goldfish in there and she said when it froze in the winter that they also froze, but that when it defrosted, they came back to life. <laughs> so that would, like yeah. they didn't actually die. Their bodies just kind of slowed down and went to sleep. Yeah. I can only imagine that kids would think that would be the, the coolest thing ever. Cool so. thing ever. Best science project ever. Yeah, definitely something to check out. So. Yes, that's cool. And you've already talked about this a lot about just how kids are involved in the gardening, but do you have other examples or ideas? Because I think for the audience, I think they're listening today with us, they're moms that are maybe thinking that it sounds like too much work. But right. again, the motivation would be that it's a learning opportunity, especially with so many kids home now, you know, yeah. like using it as a, a school learning opportunity, um, nutrition, mm -hmm. educating them about the earth, all those things. But are there other ways that you'd say kids can get involved in this process? Sure. Like I said, giving them a bit of ownership, uh, taking mm -hmm. them to the store and letting them pick out a plant or two that they can grow in their own planter and teaching them just the proper care of plants. Like plants are a lot like us. They need some sunshine. They need water. They need food. Um, I like to teach my kids the finger trick for if it's time to water their plant and just have them stick their finger down in the soil. If your finger comes out dry, then your plant needs a drink. And mm -hmm. if it comes out wet, then your plant's good for now. So you can teach them just common sense rules like that. So they don't get to be an adult and have no idea how to even begin growing their own food. Um, and it is such a huge movement right now, just the, you know, farm to table or backyard to table, as we like to call it. You can even use, I know that we have, I've tried to keep, teach my kids some entrepreneurial skills as they're getting older. Um, and so along the side of our house, we, our house was built in the 50s. So azaleas, which are a Southern staple, are huge. Uh, as landscape plants then. And azaleas and blueberries both really like acidic soil. So every place that we had a blueberry or excuse me, an azalea growing along the side of the house, we took it up because they were really leggy and 50 years old. So we took them up and planted blueberries in their place. Wow. Um, some of them are still pretty small, but I told the kids in a couple of years as they get bigger, if you guys can tend them, you can pick the berries and you can sell them. Wow. Um, our, cool. our daughter actually did that last year. I helped her out. We did a little Facebook video. She had planted six or seven different types of herbs and would sell them by the bunch for a dollar. So if we had neighbors who needed parsley to go with their spaghetti sauce at dinner, they would shoot me a text and say, Molly, have some parsley. Yes. And she would trim it and she would wrap it up for them and, you know, put a little Ziploc for them. And it just showed her that you can, this could be a business for you, you know, a couple dollars here and there. And people want food that's fresh. So it's meeting a need for our community and it's teaching her at the same time some skills and how to, how to run a little business. So that's definitely 
something that can be done if your kids have that kind of entrepreneurial drive, or if you just want to foster that within them, what it means to manage a business, how much does it cost for you to buy the plant and how much, if you're fertilizing it and watering it, like how much does that cost and how much should you sell each little bunch for in order to recoup your costs and still make a little money. So there's a lot of lessons I think to be learned there. Oh, fun. I love that. Yeah. I yeah, and you can do the same thing, um, something that we've been doing recently, and I actually have some here. We, we've been saving some seeds from our plants. Um, zinnia seeds are super easy, and beans as well, just let them dry out. And so the kids can take those and use them to start their plants next year, or they can sell little packs of seeds because after about May in a lot of the stores, you can't find seeds anymore. They go ahead and take the displays down and um, so again, it's just a way to get them thinking about how to use what's around them to make a little side money. I love it. Yeah, we have this vision and dream for our, our kids that, well, especially Ellie, our oldest, that she'll want to get into real estate. So we're like, we just got to get her a first house and then getting her managing <laughs> investment properties. But maybe we should start a little smaller, maybe with gardening. Yeah. <laughs> That, that is the same con concept that you're teaching them. So I love that. Yeah. Um, and then what about, what are some tips for keeping the garden pest free, but still safe for oh, yeah. to eat? This is so important. Uh, in fact, it, I wrote a whole book on it. It's a book on my website, just natural pest control for your home garden, because there's so much pressure out there to, well, you can just put some seven dust on it whenever you have uh, troubles. But if your kids are going to be, especially if kids are part of gardening, they're going to be out there eating things and you want to make sure that whatever they're touching, um, whatever they're putting in their mouth hasn't been coated in chemicals and poison. Right. It's <laughs> a bonus, right? Um, so a couple of things that I recommend. And the first is just to keep your eyes uh, on your plants. If you notice some holes showing up on the leaves of plants, then you can make it kind of a game for your kids. Like something's eating us. So let's flip over the leaves because that's usually where they like to hide um, and see what we can find. And so usually you'll find some, you know, some little green worms or something like that. If, if you've got a kid that loves bugs, it's perfect. If you have a girl that doesn't like bugs, then it may be more difficult. Maybe she can find them and, and somebody else can pick it off. But um, but that's really step one is just keeping your eyes open for it. Like there's no need to use sprays and powders if you're not actually seeing anything. Um, it's not super preventative. The other thing is that pests, tend to be attracted to plants that are not healthy. So if you're keeping your plants healthy or keeping them pruned back, then that's a huge preventative. And that also means kind of clearing out the space underneath plants, like where leaves will drop and it starts decomposing on the soil. Just keep that cleaned up because again, that attracts pests. A jar of soapy water is really great because you can just drop if you find a bug. Get your kids their own gardening gloves, by the way, that like, amazing how that enhances the experience. My youngest has Paw Patrol uh, garden gloves and he thinks they're the coolest. So uh, give them their own gloves so they can pick off the bugs and not actually have to touch them. Uh, put them in a little jar of sippy water. Um, it's a great way to kind of get rid of them. Unless you have chickens, then that's just a snack for the chickens. We've mm -hmm. done that for a few years, no more for us. But, um, but so picking them off. And then if you do have a larger issue like for example, with aphids, I think Melissa with Juice Plus had this issue a few years ago. Aphids are teeny tiny, so they're not, it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to pick them off. Spraying them off with 
a good shot of water works really well. So just a little thing on your hose and spray it off and just watch it, you know, for the next week spraying off as needed works wonders. And then if you need something more, especially this fall, if you're going to grow through grow things like um, kale and broccoli, the brassicas, which are great for the fall. They love the cool weather, cauliflower, cabbage. There is a variety of bug called a cabbage worm that loves these plants as much as we do. And you can do things like planting flowers in between like marigolds to try to cut back on those particular bugs. They're actually a white moth, looks like a butterfly, a white butterfly with a black spot on each wing. And they'll land and lay their eggs and the eggs hatch and they eat your whole plant. But a couple of things you can do is you can use uh, a spray called BT, Bacillus thurin thuringiensis, just remember BT. Um, and it is sounds like it would be a chemical laden poison, but it's actually an enzyme. And again, you can teach your kids this, like it's totally safe for them to eat the leaves. I only really use it if it's really bad, if, they're, if we have like an infestation. But um, you teach the kids, like you spray it on the leaf, and then when the worm eats that part of the leaf, it makes its stomach feel full and it doesn't eat again. So you can just teach them how these things work. We also use something called diatomaceous earth that we use that on ants because we live in the South and ants are taking over the world, I believe, at least <laughs> parts under our house and they come up every once in a while. Um, yeah. But I teach my kids, it's like, if there are these, if we had a microscope, we really need to get one. Uh, diatoms are these tiny, tiny particles, and it looks like dust, but it's actually shards that we can't see, but that will that will kill ants. But they can also kill bees. So I teach the kids like we only put it on the ant hill, and we don't we don't put it out in the morning when the bees are most active. We put them right on the hill, and we do it in the evenings. So just teaching them to be good stewards of uh, of the yard and of the garden and of the animals that are there, because. When you plant a fall garden as well, you're providing some food for pollinators. So any kind of fall flowers, or if you plant that kale and it starts producing yellow flowers, we just leave it. It might not look so great, but the bees love it. And so, and then again, planting things like herbs near your near your vegetables this fall will also help to keep pests away without having to use any kind of harsh chemicals. We're almost out of time, but I, I did just want to ask you of a favorite thing that you've planted and a favorite recipe that's come from using that root vegetable, whatever it is. I know I'm putting you uh, on the spot. I'm just curious. Do you have a favorite recipe from something that you've made and grown in the garden? Yes. So two things, I guess, seasonally different. We have started growing raspberries and blackberries this year. In addition to, I say started growing them, we planted them two years ago. So this year I made for the first time a shrub with, with the extra berries that we had. We had some strawberries that we had grown too, which is just kind of sweetened berries that you mash up and then you mix it with apple cider vinegar and you let it sit for a couple of days in the fridge. And then you have it with some sparkling water. It's like soda but it's so much better for you. Wow. <laughs> and it's full of junk. So if you're, if you're looking for something that your kids can help you make and it tastes like it's an absolute treat, then try a shrub. There's tons of recipes and you put herbs in it. We put lemon balm in ours, um, which has some really great health benefits. And then secondly, we, I love to grow kale, pretty much grow it year round. And I've got a recipe, it's on my site and it's one of my family favorites is a kale and Havarti quiche. It is so good. If you love quiche anyway, it's really fantastic that you got that 
um, that creamy Havarti cheese that melts in it and you saute some kale and some red onion and put it in the quiche with it. And it is just so good. So, yeah. Well, the last thing I was just going to ask is how can people be in touch with you or learn more about what you're doing? Would it be your website? Would that be the best place to find you? Yes. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well under the kitchen garden and that's garden with a T in the middle. It's the German word for garden. But the website is great too. And I have some free printables for parents. So I can post a link to that below. Um, if that helps you just kind of get the ball rolling with your kids on teaching them about plants and seeds and how to start a garden this year. Thank you. It was so fun. I feel like I learned so much. I am more, way more interested in gardening than I was when we started 30 minutes ago. Um, but I think we all really enjoyed our time with you. So thanks for taking the time to share your expertise with us. You are so welcome. Thanks for having me. This is a lot You're of fun. So welcome. Well, I hope to see you soon. That sounds great. See you. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home where it all begins.